The following contains descriptions of physical violence, sexual violence, and graphic descriptions of autopsies. Hi listeners, welcome back to episode 3 of TGIC Podcast. This week we will begin covering the Black Dahlia murder. We're going to do this episode in two parts because this is just such an insane case. So today we're going to start by just introducing the case to you, and next week we'll get down into the nitty-gritty details of the theories. I'm Jillian. And I'm Izzy. So really sorry to announce that Audrey will no longer be working with us on the podcast. Um, so yeah, it's just going to be Jill and I from now on. Alright, let's talk a little bit about the background info of this case. Um, the Black Dahlia refers to the murder of Elizabeth Short. She was born on July 29th of 1924 in Massachusetts. She was an aspiring actress, and she moved to L.A. in 1943 to fulfill her dreams. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Because, you know, everyone goes to Hollywood to be Be famous. (laughs) Um, So in this case, they actually identified her because she was previously arrested for underage drinking and partying, but she was never actually charged. But that ends up being an important part of this case because that's how she was identified. Um, Yeah, so she was an aspiring actress. She was involved in modeling a little bit too, but she actually said she preferred acting. And leading up to her murder, she left L.A. on December 28th of 1946 to take a bus to San Diego because she was concerned about something. Is that ever specified, what that was? No, like, they never talk about it. Like, it's just one of her, like, anonymous friends who literally was like, yeah, she just left because she was concerned. That's never good, guys. Watch out. If your friends say they're leaving town because they're concerned about something, like, that's a major red flag. Yeah, that's just, like, sketchy. Um, alright, this case was actually originally referred to the werewolf murder because it was just so gruesome, which is so terribly sad and so violent and yeah. really and I terrible. Yeah, and I mean, like, we'll get into that more later, but, like, I think this is one of the most just tremendously just awful murders that I've ever heard of. Yeah. So, this is called the Black Dahlia murder because she, Elizabeth Short, was in a movie called The Blue Dahlia, and I believe she had a main role in this, but they called her the Black Dahlia as kind of like a parody on the Blue Dahlia. And she, like, was known for, like, her black hair. Mm-hmm. So. Um, they found her body on January 15th of 1947 in, I don't know how to say this. Do you know how to say this? Lamert Park? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I think we're just gonna go by Lamert. Lamert? <laughs> that sounds like a name of, like, I'm an sorry, old man. I'm sorry, you live in L.A. and you know this Lamert Park... Or if it's still even there, like, I'm so sorry. It's still even there. It's a park. What are they going to do? Like, bulldoze it? I don't know. What if there's, like, apartments on it or something now? It's apartments everywhere. Okay. In Lamert Park in L.A., um, they, she was, her body was found by a woman who was going for a walk with her baby, which is That's nightmarish. Sad. Can you imagine just being like, out, I mean, like... Good thing it wasn't, like, an infant or something. I feel like they would remember it then. That would be worse. Yeah. Oof. Imagine that being your first memory. Um, and her body was found completely severed and posed in a bush, like, field area of the park. It's, that's so violent. That, like, really is the worst part of this. Like, she was so violently, like, murdered. Like, it's just terrible. Yeah, and, like, in the next episode, we'll talk about some of the suspects and, like, just go in depth about, like, how twisted these people must have been to, like, do Do this. It's terrible. Yeah. 
Okay, y'all, so let's get into the timeline. This is going to go in depth a little bit more about what Jill has been saying. So, Elizabeth Short moved to Los Angeles, California in mid-1943. Like, she lived in Massachusetts for her whole childhood, and, like, she wanted to get out of a small town and, like, become an actress or a model. Like, she wanted to make it big. And, like Jill said, on September 24th, 19, September 23rd, 1943, um, she was arrested for underage drinking. Like, she was with a bunch of other people, and they were, like, quote-unquote, really rowdy. Wait, hold on. How old would she have been in 1943? Oh, she was, she was 19? Is that, oh, that is underage. Yeah, that is underage. I'm so stupid. I always associate 18 as just your adult, like, it doesn't matter. Yeah. And so, like, they took her in, and they, like, did, like, took her booking photos, which is basically, like... Mugshots? Yeah, mugshots. I don't know why. Booking, booking photos? photos. That but, sounds like, so fancy. Yeah, they took her mugshot. And then they took her fingerprints, and they put her into the system. Like, she was never convicted, and she was never charged with anything. She was really just arrested and, like, put into the system, I guess, for a future But, reference. I mean, that ended up being really important, because that's how they identified her. Yeah. Can you imagine if she wasn't even arrested? It would have taken so much longer to ID her. Exactly. And then on, like, this gets really sad really quick. So, on January 15th, 1947, her dismembered body was found by a woman on a walk in Lamert Park in L.A. Um, Jill, do you want to get into the autopsy a little bit? (laughs) The opsy. Um, (laughs) so, we said earlier they identified her by her prints that, because it was just so difficult to recognize her, her body was so dismembered, and so thankfully she was arrested, I guess, thankfully in some way, um, because they were able to ID her, Mm -hmm. and they found her, she had been posed by the murderer in... They described it as an alluring position. I guess it was just, like, a very sexual position. Like I it, suppose. That's so dark and like, twisted. guys, I looked at the crime scene photos. I will never be able to get that out of my I brain. was too scared. Yeah. <laughs> rightfully so. Um, so they found her in that position. There were lacerations, so, like, pretty large, deep cuts to her entire body. There was no DNA evidence because her body had been completely washed clean. And, like, this makes me think, like, this person knew what they were doing. Like, they they planned They must have known what they were doing because an amateur, like, someone who is not a professional, (laughs) not a professional murderer, um, someone who has not, like, done this before or planned this ahead of time, they're going to be in such a panic after doing that that they're not going to think to wash someone clean. Like, this is someone who is either a repeat offender, or they planned this ahead of time. Like, they must have been just so messed up that, like, it didn't bother them. I suppose. I don't know. Her official cause of death was declared of a hemorrhage and shock due to lacerations to the face and concussion to the brain. Which is, like, that's, like, four causes of death right there. Yeah, exactly. Um, they... In her autopsy, they found so many different cuts. I'm gonna get into those a little bit here. Her mouth had been sliced from ear to ear, and, like, they refer to that as, like, a joker smile. Yeah. Which is so frightening. Again, not... Mm -hmm. I did not look at the crime scene photos. Izzy's braver than me. (laughs) Um, there were cuts in, like, an asterisk, sort of, like, star shape on her lower stomach, which I think is weird. Like, I... That must symbolize something, right? Yeah, like, I mean... If this were now, like, the FBI and, like, the police would be looking into this as, like, a serial killer. Because that's, like, a very, like, specific mark. Yeah. Like, that's something that, like, someone would do 
as like their quote unquote like mark. Uh huh. Like that's not like something you see in like crimes of passion, like no. a one time offender. Like that's like symbols like that you see on serial killers, which is so frightening because I don't, I don't think any of the suspects were necessarily serial killers in this case. I mean, none of them were convicted serial killers. That's the key word. Um, she was also cut entirely in half. Like, completely in half, guys. Like, like her guts were, like, spilling outside of her yeah, body. like, it's just... And it actually led the... The way she was cut in half, they were, like, clean cuts, so the killer is believed to have, like, some sort of surgical training, so he was... He, or she, I guess. He, most likely he, because yeah. she was... Yeah, he. The evidence means he, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Um... He was a doctor because of the, like, training necessary to have, like, clean cuts like that. Yeah. And, guys, like, I'm not saying go look at the crime scene photos. They're linked on our website, but, like, it's, it's, like, she's perfectly cut in half. Like, if you get deep into the autopsy, like, in the FBI documents and stuff, like, her spine was cut in a way... Like, it was severed in a way that was, like, only a doctor would know how to do that. Like, only someone who went to medical school. Medical school. Not medical that's, school. <laughs> that's so frightening. I saw this episode of SVU, and it was, <laughs> it was like, a one of the big ones. It was, like, a season premiere or something. And it turns out, like, the there was, like, a serial killer, and he literally, like, was, like, the coroner guy, which I thought was so freaky. But, like, the main part that connects to this case is the fact that he was, like, a doctor. And, like, he, like, knew how to, like, cut, like clean lacerations like that. Ew. Yeah, it's it's scary. Like, jeez. They gotta have, like, things before you're allowed to get into medical school, school, like, to make sure you're not a serial killer. Yeah. Alright. They also, when they found her, her stomach was full of sand. Was there a purpose for that? I. What does that mean? Um, so, like, if you research this a bit more, like, that's a sign of, like, basically torture. So that, she was alive when they did that. So they basically forced sand down her throat. That's terrible. Yeah. Um, so her injuries were sustained pre-mortem, except for the slicing in half. It's, that's believed to be, yeah, have post. done post-mortem. But that means, like, she was, like, as Izzy was saying, she was tortured before she died, and that's yeah. so terrible. Like, that's awful. That's the worst thing that can happen, like, like just being tortured. Mutilated. Yeah. There's so many little details that we didn't include in this that, like, that were just too awful. Like, if we listed everything, it would maybe take up half of this podcast. Um, so that's how they found her. Yeah. Okay, so let's get back to the timeline. For starters, people were shocked by how mutilated her body was and how unrecognizable she was. And, of course, some people, like thought that it was her because she like 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 we've been saying she's been an aspiring actress she's been in some little films and stuff by this point and so then her like the photo of her and her story first appeared in net like headlines in late january when was she killed oh like mid-january yeah so like it took january her, like... 15th these appeared in like january 24th ish and that was when she had been officially id'd by yeah so like her photos were popping up all over the country like her story was being shared and people were like really scared like 
Well, it is scary. She was this young girl. She moved away from her small town on the East Coast to go to big, scary L.A. and, like, achieve her dreams, and she ends up killed. I mean, she's, unfortunately, like, the poster child for, like, what happens... Not what happens. She's like the poster child for like what parents are scared of when their parents exactly. when the ki- their kids leave home. Yeah, and shockingly, because of this, like tips flooded in, but none of them like led anywhere. Of course, this was the forties. Like, it wasn't like now when you could trace these tips and stuff and like get to a suspect. How did they that? send in tips? Like, did they have to show up to the police station in person, or they like telegraph they in? Phones. They did. Wait, I don't know. Not, do they have phones? Can okay, someone help know. us because we're yeah. stupid and we don't yeah. know if there were Please phones help. in the 40s? <laughs> I think there might have been. I'm not sure. Okay, let's just ignore that last part. Um, <laughs> so, because of this, a box was sent to the examiner. This was like a prominent newspaper slash news source at the time by the killer. Ugh, that's creepy. Yeah. I don't like that. Like, I don't understand, first off, why they didn't send it to the police. They sent it to, like, a newspaper. It's, like, like, mocking them. I don't like that. That makes me very uncomfortable. Yeah, like, I don't know. But, like, this box contained, like, some of, her, like, Elizabeth's possessions. Like, her birth certificate, her business cards, and her address book. But it had, like, Mark Hansen inscribed on the cover. What does that mean? Actually, he's going to be one of our suspects that we go over in the next episode more in depth. But that's what made him a person of interest. Like, they don't really know why. Like, they know that she did, stayed with him for a little while. How did the like, killer have access to all those things? Like, exactly. I, I know she was found in a park, but is there really any evidence of, like, where all the torturing? Like, how could the killer have had access to her house? Exactly. And, like, I was thinking about this the other day. Like, nowhere does it say that, like, the police searched her house. Yeah. Like, nowhere. And it's just strange. Like, her birth certificate, you're not walking around with her birth, your birth certificate. Like... Exactly. I mean, I'm... People don't even know where their birth certificate are yeah. half the time. Like, I don't even think my dad had his until, like, years ago. Like, his mom still had it. I Seriously? don't... I think so. <laughs> it's like, it's not a thing you just have on you. Yeah. And then, like, there were also some photographs of her. Like, I've gone conflicting, like reports about what these photographs were. Some of them were, like, sexual photographs of her with other women. Some of them were photos of her when she was a child. It's just, like, uh, like, reports were all over from the place, and I just can't get, like, a very solid detail. So, like, I'm not really sure what what those photographs of, were of. And then, like, another weird thing was that her only one shoe... And her handbag were found dumped in a trash can a few miles away from where the killer dumped her body. So, to me, this seems like the killer is, like, so confident that he's not gonna get caught or convicted. Mm -hmm. And he just, like, he wants to taunt them as much as possible. Like, almost like he's bragging. Like, you know this guy's so detailed he washed her body clean. Like... He's so careful. Why would he do this? Like, why would he slip up like that? And, like, sending in stuff... Again, this is, like, a serial killer thing. This is not, like, something that happens with, like, an accident or, like, some... Like, in the spur of the moment you decide to murder someone. Like, this is someone who is clearly very prepared in this situation. And, I mean, like, if you think about it, this isn't, like, a guy who just, like... I don't personally think this is a crime of passion. No, it doesn't seem like it. It seems like this guy knew exactly what he was doing. Yeah, and, like, I just, like, sometimes you could tell if it was, like, someone who did, like, it was impersonal, 
Mm -hmm. Or if it was, like, a crime of passion or a crime of hate. This seems like almost like this guy, like, didn't necessarily know her, but maybe stalked her beforehand. Yeah. So knew her routines. Like, maybe he didn't really know her personally, but he just wanted to do this to someone. Maybe that's why it was so planned out, because he had planned And she was an easy target? Yeah. I really don't know. This is such a mystery to me. I All guess right. To everyone. Yeah. Um, let's get a little bit into the suspects. There were originally 22 primary suspects in this case, and that's not persons of interest. That's just suspects. Like that's kind of crazy, honestly. I just that's 22 people could have done this. Like, how, I don't even know how do you find suspects like that. Like 22 is so many. Um, today we're just going to talk about the three primary ones a little bit in brief, and in the second part we'll get into a little bit more about theories and whatnot. Yeah, and another thing about the suspects, something that the police did was that, like, I think there was, like, a college nearby that was, like, a medical college, so, like, they got a lot of men who had either graduated or who were practicing doctors near the area and put them as suspects. Yeah, that's... Which is weird and kind of sloppy, and, it, and like, I guess it kind of colluded the case a little bit, because, like, they were investigating freaking 22 people. Like, just, some of them were probably totally unrelated to the case, I mean. Yeah. Alright, so our first suspect we're going to talk about today is Mark Hansen. We briefly mentioned him earlier. His name was on that package that was sent to the, what was that called, the examiner? Yeah, he was, like, his phone book thing was in there, like... He was, his name was inscribed on one of the phone books. Okay, so he is in some way involved with this package, or someone has framed him to look involved with this package. He was a nightclub and theater owner at the time, and he knew Elizabeth, um, I believe from, like, you know, the nightclub and the theater scene, because she was mm -hmm. yeah. an actress, so, you know, they are probably out and about. Um, so he did know her, and she was actually a regular house guest, I guess, at his yeah. house. Yeah, like, she stayed there for a number of months, I think. Really? A year or two before, yeah. So, they knew each other pretty well. They were good friends. And on January 8th of 1947, she spoke to him, and he's one of the, like, the last recorded people to speak with her. That's kind of crazy. Yeah. Like, that's a little bit sus, but, like... Well, yeah, like... That's really suspicious. I mean, yeah. How, how do we don't know what was on that phone call? Oh, so there must have been phones. Yeah. Freaking just made that connection. <laughs> this oh is so God, embarrassing kind of for us. That's like kind of bad. <laughs> um. Anyway, so there were phones in the forties for anyone who was curious. Um. Oh wait, does this say on the phone? We might just be really stupid. I. It, I I'm. <laughs> So embarrassing. We're so sorry. We hope you find this funny. Um. Oh yeah, they did have them. They did have them. Okay, so this is—he's like one of the last known people to speak to her. I'm not sure if it was on the phone or not, but it could—it could have been. <laughs> it could have been. Now we know it could have been. Um. So that's very suspicious. And then he was also interrogated and made like several contradictory statements during interrogation. Yeah, and I mean that's weird, but at the same time, this guy's probably nervous. Like we talked about this in the last case, like. I guess they probably didn't do a polygraph on him, but, like, people are nervous during investigations. So, you're not gonna lie. Like, contradictory statements. Like, I don't care how nervous you are. If you're, like, you're not gonna just make up stuff. I mean, that's true. He's an adult. He's not, like, a teenager trying to cover up for, like, the fact that they were all 
like all of him and his friends were drunk or something. True. Like, like he's this an is adult. A he shouldn't knew he sh- this lady personally. He shouldn't have anything to hide. True. Um, do you wanna talk about George Hodel? Okay. First of all, I gotta say, this guy I think he's one of the most twisted people I've ever researched in my whole entire life. So there's another podcast called Root of Evil, and it's on Apple Podcasts, and it's all about this guy. Like, it's all narrated by his ancestors, who did, like, a lot of research on him and who uncovered this crazy stuff about him. And this is where I got some of my information. But he basically came under police scrutiny in October of 1949 because he molested his 14-year-old daughter, who's named Tamar Hodel. Oh, my God. Yeah. That's and terrible. In, like, in the research that I've done, I discovered that when this happened, so he basically raped her, and, like, Tamar is recorded saying that, or not recorded, but she said later that when she was, like, 12 or 13, her father came to her and said, when you're 16, I'll give you a present that nobody else can give you, and it'll be from me. That's disgusting. That's not okay. The present was basically taking her virginity. That's terrible. Wait, yeah. why was he not under police scrutiny before that? I don't know. But, like, there's been a lot of crazy stuff going on with this guy. And, um, like, he... First off, he was... An, he was, like, the lead infectious sexual transmitted disease... Sexual transmitted disease doctors at the time. Sexually transmitted disease. Sexually transmitted disease doctors at the time. Huh. So, like, he kind of led the whole, like, not really revolution about that, but, like, he kind of publicized them more. Like, he was under a lot of scrutiny as is because, like, he made them more normal than they, like, had been, had been prior. Yeah. And because of this, he went to medical school where he would have learned... How to surgically cut someone in half? How to surgically cut someone in half. But he also threw sex parties. <laughs> that was a very weird transition. But yeah, he was known as like the party man of LA. So he threw sex parties very frequently that police officers, other doctors, and prosecutors attended. So even if the police like kind of had an inkling it could be this guy, they're probably not going to do it because like they have all this. He has all this dirt on them, like... Yeah, they're like, hey, that's George. I had sex with him last week. <laughs> I, sure. Yeah, um, but, like... Just, like, even if he was known to the police as a bad person, he couldn't even have been convicted because of all these prosecutors he exactly. knew. Exactly. They had, like, so much crap on him. Or, he had so much crap on them. Yeah. So, he also was known to, like, abuse his girlfriend, and, like... Yeah, he's just kind of crazy. And then... He also used to, like, he would purposely botch surgeries, and he also performed illegal abortions. Well, okay, why would he botch surgeries? I don't know. I really don't know. Is there a reasoning for that? Do you get paid more for botching them? I don't know. That I seems he stupid. A bad dude. And, yeah, he, actually... Yeah, he sounds like the worst. Um, he was accused of killing and poisoning his secretary. Um... Why was he accused and not convicted? That seems pretty cut and dry. Exactly. Like, like, like what we've been saying, 
He kind of yeah. had so much crap on all the police officers. This guy literally lawyers. sounds like the worst. Yeah, he sounds like the worst guy ever. I mean, he has everything going against him. And the reason he's still one of the three main suspects is because the theory about him is that he was believed to, like, performed Elizabeth Short's abortion. And he botched it so bad that it killed her. So we, he tried to cover it up. Do we know that she was having an abortion? No, we don't know. Again, this is, like, purely suspicion. It's purely a theory. Okay. But this is, like, one of the main reasons that they kept him, like, as a main person of interest and a main suspect. Because, like, just of that possibility, I guess. Gotcha. Yeah. And, finally, Dr. Patrick S. O'Reilly. So, first of all, he knew Elizabeth through Mark Hansen. The other sus guy? Yeah, who's the other sus guy? And he also attended sex parties with Hansen. Why are all men in the 40s attending sex parties? That seems not right. Like, um, I just don't understand. Yeah, that's weird. Were those, like, hosted by George Hodel? Like, are they, these guys all involved? I don't... Like, it's not, it's not reported anywhere and it's not confirmed, but, like, it's basically they attended these sex parties in California and Santa Barbara and Los Angeles, kind of just everywhere. And, um, the reason this guy, like, I know we don't have a lot of stuff on him to explain yet, but he's just, like, he's, was also convicted, convicted of assault with a deadly weapon, um, and he... And this was because he took his secretary to a motel and nearly beat her to death. Oh my god. What is up with the secretaries in the 40s? Why does everyone hate on these poor women? I, I really don't know. And the thing was, he did it for no reason. Like, Ugh. and he like, he said he did it, this is a quote, to fulfill his sexual desires. That's disgusting. These poor secretaries, seriously though, why is everyone attacking their secretaries? I, I really don't know. I really don't know. Alright guys, um, stay tuned for next week's episode where we're going to go into a ton more detail on the theories and the suspects in this case. It will be out next Thursday and yeah, just be excited. <laughs>